Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, here we are. We've made it. AFC Divisional Round Playoffs. The Bills, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game, Josh Allen and the way he's playing, and Sean McDermott and what happened a couple of years ago. So much is on the line in this game. Welcome in. It's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550. Matt Bove. From Channel 7 WKBW-TV in Buffalo. Matt, are you hyped yet? Or is it, is it percolating? Where are you in your stage of getting ready for this one? No, it's I'm, I'm definitely hyped and I'm really trying to enjoy the week as much as possible yeah. because I know that even though this is work for both of us, it's really fun getting to cover these kind of events, these kind of moments. This is a really big game. This is the biggest game on the NFL schedule this weekend. It's Allen Mahomes again. The greatest sporting event I've ever attended was the 13-second game. So now I feel like, okay, you get to see the next chapter in whatever the story is down the road. So yeah, I'm excited, but I'm also super busy, but that's a good thing. I like how busy these game weeks are because there's so many different things that get thrown at you, but that's what you thrive for. That's what you love. So it's been a nice distraction as we've been uh, snow blowing and shoveling all week. Yeah. The weather's been a big story, obviously going back to last week, the game being postponed and then played on Monday. And then this week, and really it's a bit of a challenge for the bills to get a full practice week in with the travel situation and with their injuries. That's a big, big story. So they're dealing with, you know, logistics of, practice scheduling, getting players to and from the stadium and a facility, not only for practice, but for rehab. And then they're dealing with who's going to be in, who's going to be out. The injury report is something we're all kind of watching this week. It looks like the Chiefs are pretty healthy, Matt, but that is not the case with the Buffalo Bills. And that is something that could have a major impact on this game. Yeah, definitely. And I think that when we heard from Sean McDermott, I would I normally would say the first time this week, but it's not because we heard from him on Monday and on Tuesday and then again on Wednesday. But I felt like the Wednesday injury report, even though it was very long, there was also a little bit of optimism there because of Russell Douglas and Tyrell Dodson and then Taron Johnson being considered a limited participant. And I know that those ones 
have a much more likely chance. I shouldn't say this, but I feel like they all have a chance to play mm-hmm. this weekend. Terrell Bernard, I would have never in a million years thought that there was a chance that he would be available at any point, even this season. And then for Sean McDermott to say, you know, there's a little bit of hope. Those guys don't say anything unintentionally. Like he would not be saying that if they're look at the way he treated the Daquan Jones and Matt Milano updates throughout the course of the season, brushed it off, barely addressed it, pushed it to the back burner. He never really said, Hey, there's hope until he started getting pressed about Daquan Jones more. And then they said, yeah, we'll see what happens down the road for him to say there's hope is honestly more than we get for guys who have routine injuries who might be available to come back. So maybe that does mean he could be available. And if he can, wow, what a massive, massive win that would be for the bills. All right, so Sunday night, 6.30 p.m., we're going to know where the AFC Championship game is going to be played by the time this game's kicked off. Will it be in Baltimore for the winner of this game to go there, or will it be at the home of whichever team wins in Orchard Park between the Bills and the Chiefs? We also will know by then, probably, Matt, if Taylor Swift is in Orchard Park. I I guess I expect her. I'm not really sure. What do you think? Yeah, she'll be there, and I think that there's other people who are going to be there, too, because now you'll get Travis, you'll get Jason Kelsey. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's he's true. retired I'll, I'll and he's not playing. That. Yeah. You'll get I'll Jason Kelsey and you'll probably get Donna Kelsey and you'll probably get Taylor Swift. And there's going to be people who are listening to this and they're going to roll their eyes and they're going to say, this is a football game. Stop talking about that. I know I'm not thinking of, I'm just saying it's a big story nationally. Every time she pops up on TV, she is the top, like the sure. person of the year. So I don't think, can I tell you a fun fact about Taylor Swift? Sure. Taylor Swift has been on. AM Buffalo, formerly of Channel 7, when she played the Erie County Fair back in wow. like 2007. She All came right. in and did it. She came in and did an interview. So Taylor Swift has been in our building and our studio for an interview, which is just so ridiculous to me. Hey, listen, wives, girlfriends, family members, they come to games all the time. It's all good. I mean, it's good for the NFL. It's yeah. good for the brand having someone like that. And, you know, hopefully for Bills fans' sake, they send her back on her tour not thinking about the next week because it'll be back here in Orchard Park or maybe in Baltimore. All right, now, this is what's got to happen right now. Matt's going to talk a little bit with some Chiefs guests. We got, what, um, Dan Portillo, right? Dan Portillo and Trey Lawrence. Trey Lawrence from the Fastest Mm -hmm. 40 podcast. Mm -hmm. I live in the city, folks, and if you live in Western New York, you know the way the snow is. Sometimes you have alternate parking. Sometimes it's days. Sometimes it's um, times a year. I have an alternate parking in my street. I actually have to go move my car right now. So Matt, you take it from here with the guys and I'll be back. Yes, I will do that. Sal, you go flip your car to the other side of the street. I will go look at my car in the driveway of my house on Grand Island and think about moving (laughs) it to the other side of the street or the other side of the driveway. And we'll catch up with Dan and Trey on the other side. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. 
Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Chiefs Week means that we got to talk to some people who know a thing or two about the Chiefs. We are joined by Dan Portillo and uh, Trey Lawrence from the Fastest 40 podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I very much appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you having us on. Yeah, you bet. So Looking boy- forward to this. So, boys, what's the vibe this week? What are people thinking? What are Chiefs fans kind of feeling this week? Dan, we'll start with you. There's definitely an air of confidence. I'll put that out there. You know, it's like... Obviously, for the Chiefs, this has been a down year offensively for Patrick Mahomes and and company and, you know, kind of relying on that defense. I think we've kind of bought into that mindset that we're not the teams of old, (laughs) old, put quotes around that. It's uh, it's really just been a different shift in the way that we win games. But I think there's a lot of confidence amongst Chiefs Chiefs Kingdom in general um, about how we're going to perform, at least. Trey, how much of that is tied to the performance against the Dolphins in the wild card? And how much of that has just kind of been building? Because I'm sitting at home. Obviously, the Bills game gets moved. I'm watching the Dolphins-Chiefs game. It was never even in doubt. And the score probably didn't even indicate how close the game should have been. I mean, the Chiefs should have won probably by 30. Just they kind of stalled out in the red zone a little bit. Was that what people needed to see? Like, hey, the offense is good. We know the defense is good. Or has this been a little bit longer of a time coming from maybe, you know, the people who actually followed the team and are fans of the team no I think it was a complete flop from what we've seen all season right there's been a lot of you know hesitation and buying in on this team all season and once we saw that kind of come to a head here in the playoffs and everybody saw that Chiefs team that we've seen for the last five or six years everybody got that same feeling that we had had for the five or last five or six years so I think the win over Miami definitely you know brought Chiefs fans to a, a more of a confidence factor there and I, I think there's a lot of excitement to go on the road. There's a lot of conversations outside of Chiefs Kingdom about can Patrick Holmes do it on the road. But I think there's a lot of confidence and, and excitement within Chiefs Kingdom to go out there and, and experience that as well. So, Dan, for me, as I've watched the Chiefs this year, their defense is exceptional. I know it's been six straight games. They keep opponents under 20 points or less. They are just rock solid on that side of the ball. What has been different about them this year? Is it personnel? Is it the way they're being coached? Why does it feel like now that's just as much their bread and butter as maybe their offense? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, too, the defense on paper is the youngest in the league, just the average player age for our starters. So I think a lot of it's just them being able to gel. Finally, we've drafted, spent a lot of draft capital on on picks like McDuffie, Karloftis, and so on and so on. And finally, those guys are building up enough chemistry and getting those opportunities that maybe they didn't get in years previous where they were buried a little bit on the depth chart but behind guys that we've seen leave in free agency, whether it be, you know, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, uh, Kendall Fuller and, and years past having him. So finally getting that where, you know, these players get drafted, they're homegrown, they've grown in Spagnolo's system. I think you get a better feel for what he's expecting of you whenever those game plans are put together. I think that's the biggest contributor. Obviously, we've had some standout performances, some guys that have 
were rookies last year taking that leap forward. Karloftis with 10 sacks. Uh, McDuffie, all, first team all pro at this point at, at, at uh, slot. So, and then of course, Legereus Sneed with the biggest uh, snub of all time, I think. <laughs> and, and at least as far as Chiefs players, I think should have been all pros or pro bowlers. Um, just seeing those players in particular take the leap, a couple of savvy free agent signings definitely supplement that. But um, for me, I think it's just the fact that we've grown grown these players internally and they've all kind of grown together. So that chemistry, that communication, that's just really pushing a step forward. When you talk about McDuffie, I think Bills fans wince a little bit because a lot of Bills fans <laughs> thought he was going to be a Bill, and then the Chiefs ultimately get him, and they panic, trade up, and get Elam, and their careers have gone very different ways since everything there has happened. Elam had a so, good play, though. <laughs> he had a good so he had a good play, but the context of so before the play, he got called for a DPI, and then he got beat over the middle, and that kind of put yeah. him. In, listen, <laughs> it was still a huge play. It still definitely mattered. redemption. Redemption, exactly. And funny enough, the last time the Bills played, well, not the last time, but last year when the Bills played the Chiefs at Arrowhead in the regular season, Elam had an interception against Mahomes in the red zone. So I don't know what it is, but maybe he just likes to play in these bigger games. I guess we shall see. Trey, Spags kind of put Joe Brady, the Bills interim offensive coordinator, in his back pocket the last time they played, especially in the second half. The Bills offense scored 14 in the first half, and then they scored just six in the second. Now it turned out to be enough. But for you guys, how creative has he been to kind of get the most out of the personnel that they have? Because it feels like he's probably top tier when it comes to defensive coordinators. Yeah, for sure. And, and what he does specifically with the secondary in his, in his blitz packages is, you know, like you said, top tier. There's nobody that really does it like him. And, and you don't really see a lot of guys in the league outside of the Chiefs that, you know, the Jerry Steed with several sacks this season. Trent McDuffie with several sacks this season. Brian Cook with several sacks this season. So, you know, guys like that who typically don't have those, you know, pressures on the quarterback throughout the season – Spags is able to dial that up and, and create that. But he also does a phenomenal job with just the front four and be able to create pressure with just the front four. And there's been a, a highlight clip from the Dolphins game. I don't know if you guys have seen yeah. where they, they ran that, you know, two high, one high, and then back to the two high, you know, all pre-snap. And so I think things like that have done a great job, especially against guys like, like Tua who um, don't necessarily have that playoff experience and you get that next level experience there, next level challenge with, with coverages like that and pre-snap co coverages like that. All right. Sal is back from huh. switching his car oh because gosh. alternate street parking after a blizzard is not necessarily ideal. So no. Sal, one oh question goodness. I want to ask them before we kind of get to the offense is Dan, are there any weaknesses? We've talked about how great the chiefs defense is. Where can they be exploited? Where could there be an area where the bills maybe have an advantage? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that glares at me as far as a weakness for us is our run defense. We're not always on top of that in particular, right? Where our strength comes is pressuring the quarterback, making the quarterback force bad decisions on the secondary. Uh, we're not really good at generating turnovers either. Uh, that's something where we struggle a little bit. So, you know, with Jock Allen, just his turnover history and everything that goes into that, um, you know, there is potential for us not to really push him into those areas where he's, you know, throwing some kind of an errant throw. Um, or, or if he does throw it, there's not a good chance we're going to come down with the ball. So, you know, those those areas in particular, I think with the run game, you know, James Cook, 
what he's been able to do so far for you guys. That's probably the thing I'm most concerned with, as well as Josh Allen's scrambling ability. Just generating those yards on the ground is something that, you know, we could be a little bit better at. Uh, we were good at stifling the Dolphins. It was minus 30. So I don't know how much of that was, you know, where the weather assisted us. But, um, you know, that's definitely uh, one of the few holes that I think our defense has where, you know, we could be exploited a little bit. Hi, guys. Good to talk to you. Good to see you. So my apologies for yeah. jumping on a little bit late. So just a quick story. It's I don't know how it works in Kansas City. I live in the city of Buffalo, the actual city, and I don't have a driveway. That's like, like The houses are kind of right next to each other, and we, we have to park on the street, and it's alternate street parking every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays on the left, Thursday, Fridays on the right, weekends, holidays, wherever you want from 9 to 4. Well, with a driving van, because of the snow, no one really has to move their car because no one's expected to be out there driving. Well, the right. driving van was lifted and my wife says to me right before we go on here you know your car's on the wrong side of the street right i'm like oh my gosh so i had to get outside i had to switch the car you probably don't have to deal with things like that in kansas city or matt up there no. in Grand island no exactly that is a that is a problem i think unique to to buffalo and, and some other bigger cities with snow we don't get uh the lake effect here no and yeah. i will tell you though I've, I've lived in this house for um 12 years i've probably had a close to maybe I'd have 15 tickets or something like that. And it adds up, but you don't want it to happen, but it does happen. You forget sometimes things like that happen. So I apologize for that. I don't know what you've covered so far, but I did have a question just, I wanted to ask. Go ahead. Just defense. Sal. We've just talked to defense. I figured I'd save the good <laughs> stuff for you. <laughs> oh, chief's defense. Well, I, I do have one question on the chief's defense. When I think of Steve Spagnuolo this year, I do think of a lot of blitzing and has that been his calling card? Because, you know, that is also a way that teams have, gotten to Josh a little bit towards the end of the year, especially New England bringing some pressure. Um, you know, Miami tried a little bit, not quite as successful. They had to manufacture that. But is that what really the calling card has been, is go after the quarterback with some blitzes? Yeah, I, I would say so. I think that's – and not new to this year either. I think Spags has done a really good job with that the last several years that we've had him on our team. And I think um, it just continues to grow. And kind of like what Dan said earlier with growing these guys – internally these young players that we draft internally or or pick up from another team uh, we he does a really good job of developing these guys and bringing them in and making sure they fit into a spot where they're comfortable on the defense you know he doesn't really put guys in in uncomfortable situations he makes sure that they're able to perform where he expects them to perform and I think that's where he's he grabs you know he grabs somebody and and really makes maybe a six-round pick, come out and shine where, where nobody else would have seen that guy. All right, Trey, great. thank I you know. very much. Yeah. I really yeah, appreciate you joining us. I know you got to go. We'll keep Dan for a little bit longer, but enjoy the game this weekend, and thank you. Really, We really appreciate All it. All right, guys. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. See you, brother. Of course. Dan, Patrick Mahomes. He's a pro bowler. He's an all, like, everything. <laughs> but it feels like from the outside, nobody is denying Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league. Is it all the receivers? Is that why their numbers are not nearly as good? Or does he deserve any of the blame? I I have a hard time blaming Patrick Mahomes for anything because of everything he's brought our city. And, uh, you know, with and it's more than just what he does on the field, off the field, too. So this guy has like an aura around him. Right. And it's almost like he can do no wrong. But when you look at it at a more detailed level, you can tell he is you know, lacking confidence in our guys in certain situations. And I don't want to shift that to the wide receivers necessarily, but he needs to throw the ball the same way he would throw the ball 
in any situation. And you can tell he's maybe floating it a little bit too much or underthrowing somebody or, you know, whatever the case might be. It's it, it's definitely some of his throws have been errant, you know, and, and it's where guys are having to catch behind them. And guy can't be perfect all the time. Right. There's going to be some flaws here and there for sure. Um, but I think what we've seen, at least with the Dolphins game, was a little bit of a confidence boost and more trust. Like he hit MVS on a on a five yard slant. And there's been situations where guys are wide open. And because of what they've done previously, he's not throwing the ball to them. So we've seen a little bit of a shift in that in this last playoff game. And I'm hoping that we can use that as a foundational piece to build more trust as we move through the playoffs, especially going against you guys. We can't, uh, you know, it can't be a situation where he's underthrowing somebody and, you know, we're giving Jordan Poyer or somebody a, an easy pick. Like we, we just don't need that. Um, that's where we really kill ourselves too is, is with those turnovers and, and Mahomes has had a career high and interceptions. So uh, those are all, those are all pieces I think are worth noting for sure. There's a little well, bit of blame. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I do think that there's good reason the receivers, I mean, it's been well documented this year that, you know, they lead the league in drops and things like that. I mean, and you know, you see Mahomes, he puts the ball in the money sometimes and your guys just haven't come up with it. Kadarius Tony, you know, he's had times yeah. where he struggled. He's been in and out of the lineup. I know that, but the guy that's come on here is Rashi, Rashi Rice. Really? I mean, what has he been able to do for this offense, especially late in the year? with the way that he's been able to kind of come on and become more of a trusted factor and receiver for Patrick Mahomes. Talk about a saving grace, man. I mean, even, even Travis Kelsey had three drops in that game and has had multiple end zone drops. And, you know, I don't know what it is with, with him necessarily and, and his woes. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe there's something that really is nagging him. That's causing some problems, but Rashi Rice, man, just seeing his elevation, he's the most productive rookie receiver that Andy Reid has ever drafted in terms of the rookie season, the highest receiving yards, the highest touchdowns, highest receptions, and he set those marks for the Chiefs franchise as well. So seeing his emergence and knowing that we have a really solid piece going into next year's offseason, knowing that that's like the main project Right. Anytime. And I'll give Brett Veach some, Veach some credit for this as well. Anytime we have a downfall, uh, whether it be our offensive line going against the Bucks in the Super Bowl or whatever the case is, he's been able to pump some resources in there and get that problem turned around. So Rasheed Rice, I think, is a good piece for us to keep moving forward, to give Mahomes that that uh, confidence that he's going to need going against the Bills, but also something that we can build off in the future, too. So I'm I'm loving everything I'm seeing from number four. I want to eventually get to Kelsey, but I think probably most Bills fans know that Rashi Rice will be the number one target, at least wide receiver wise. Yeah. Who else, though, do Bills fans need to be concerned with? Because I know Sky Moore's window has been activated, but I have no idea if he's going to play. I know they all know about Katarius Tony, but he wasn't even active last week. I think Justin yeah. Ross has been banged up, so I don't think he's really an option. And MVS is the guy that at least most fans probably outside of Kansas City immediately go, oh, he's the dude that dropped that really big pass that he probably should have made. Is MVS <laughs> still target number two, or is there somebody else who's emerged in that role? In the passing game, I mean, uh, you know, talking about the wide receiver group, I was hoping that we were going to get McCole Hardman involved more in the last playoff game, knowing, you know, some of those guys you mentioned weren't going to be playing Tony Sky Moore. Uh, in particular, <clears throat> but I think Justin Watson is that sneaky number two target in those situations where he's catching, you know, something big over the top at least once in those games, whether it be a 15, 20 yarder. I think that's big for our offense this year. 
And then, you know, some of those key receptions, whether it's like a third and eight catch, like with the way our passing game has worked so far this year, if you get four targets, if you get three targets, you're likely second highest receiver targeted. So it's a very low bar in terms of what that looks like. But Justin Watson, I think, is is that guy that would emerge over a Tony, over a Sky Moore, uh, unless we're looking at red zone and, and getting somebody involved in a screen pass, like definitely worry more about Hardman, worry about more about Tony or more in those situations. But just between the twenties, I think it's going to be Watson for sure. That being said, sorry, that being said, uh, Andy Reed has never met a screen pass. He didn't like, right. I mean, he could throw, he could right. throw screen passes all day. <laughs> they like to get, Traditionally, the running backs involved in that regard as well, especially when mm-hmm. McKinnon was available and playing. But what does that look like out of the backfield? Those guys getting involved in the passing game. Well, in the backfield, McKinnon still not going to play. You I, know, he, he's unfortunately dealing with that injury. Clyde Edwards Alaire, we've seen a little more production from him. I've actually been kind of pleased with what I've seen from him. But, you know, Pacheco obviously wasn't active for that game last time we we met up with you in the regular season. So you know, with the passing game in particular, he's going to catch maybe one or two screens at most in a game, but we typically do not run that part of the offense through him. We're giving him those ground and pound yards and letting him earn the hard ones. Um, You know, for the running backs in particular, uh, I don't know how much that they're going to get them involved in the passing game, in the screen game. If it is, I think it's definitely more of a Clyde Edwards-Alaire situation where they're putting him out in open space as opposed to Pacheco. Pacheco, I love the guy, right? He (laughs) runs hard. He's very physical. But once he catches the pass, I feel like there's a rev up to get him actually going where it's like you're winding a toy and then it's like, okay, now we're going to go. And so for him, I just don't know if, if scheming up a plane for him that starts three, four, five yards behind the line of scrimmage is really a good call. Is Travis I'm sure Kelsey he probably feels that way too? Is Travis Kelsey? I know he is still their number one target, and I know that probably until he doesn't play football anymore, he will be the number one target on that team. Is it concerning the lack of productivity? Is it, I guess, like a weird? I guess how do Chiefs fans feel about it? Because I think going into all of these other playoff games that the Bills have played against the Chiefs, everybody always circles Kelsey. Okay, if you stop Kelsey, then we like our chances. But I don't know yeah. if necessarily people feel the same way right now. No, and I don't think Chiefs fans feel that way either um, in terms of him being, you know, you stop Kelsey, the game's over. Because we're winning games where Kelsey is getting 16 yards receiving, 25 yards receiving, whatever the case is there. It's definitely been a little bit of a paradigm shift for us as fans to watch the offense and not see Kelsey get those yards after catch that we typically see, you know, it's, he catches the ball. It's almost an immediate tackle situation. Um, We had a really good yard after catch play against you guys, but Tony was about a foot off of uh, a foot off sides (laughs) in that one. Um, But other than that, you know, we really just haven't seen that a ton. And I think, you know, he's 34, he's getting that point in his career where, you know, you start slowing down. Father time is undefeated. That's, that's the phrase, right? And so I think we're starting to see that, you know, maybe it's time to plan for the future with that position. I don't know if Noah Gray's that guy or what that might look like. I really wanted us to take Kincaid personally. I think that kid's a freaking stud. But <clears throat> with everything that we've seen with Kelsey, right, he didn't get the thousand yards. It's 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 going down to, you know, kind of a regression a little bit. 
And who knows, maybe he comes back for, for, you know, age 35 season and pops off again, puts up another 1200. And it's, and it's funny to talk about this this way because a down season for Kelsey is 90 catches, 980 yards and five <laughs> right, touchdowns, yeah. you know? So, um, it's the same you know, thing we say about Stefan Diggs, right? Like where's, right. where's the production? He's got 107 catches on the year. <laughs> Can we give the guy a break? <laughs> He's not going to catch 146 every year. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. And I do wonder though, you go back to the opener when he really, he got hurt right before the game and he missed mm-hmm. a couple of days of practice and Eric Wood, our color analyst on the radio broadcast who you know, used to play center for the bills. He's talked about this before and said, look, when you have an injury early in the year and you don't really get a break and you're grinding every week mm-hmm. that can just, you, maybe, maybe he's just never fully recovered because every week you never get that reset kind of. And I do wonder sometimes that maybe that's something that he's dealing with because on top of age yeah. that can happen. And look, Jason, it looks like he's going to retire. So there's a lot of questions about if Travis and Jason would walk off together in the NFL. That was our fear. I think coming into this season is like, you know, are these guys, they're really close. Obviously they have bright futures off the field. Once they, once they call it quits, Jason, when he officially calls it quits, I guess uh, we'll, we'll have that opportunity. So, you know, that's, that's something where we're like, okay, if Kelsey decides to, to hang it up, you know, we retire that number 87. Is he going to, you know, what's our plan from there? Uh, right. You know, that's, that's up in the air, I think for sure. Now he's come out in another presser recently and addressed those questions. Cause he did that, that spread. And I think Vogue, something like that, or variety, one of those magazines. <clears throat> and he said, you know, ask the reporter who asked the question about retirement. He goes, don't you think about retirement too? Am I the only one who isn't you know, focused <laughs> on eventually retiring? Right. And so I think making light of it and, and just saying, you know, I'm going to be here for the long haul is, is a nice vote of confidence, but you know, guys retire all the time without warning. And uh, you know, that's, that's definitely something that we're, we're looking for, you know, going to keep our eyes open for. Dan, the last one for me is if the chiefs win this game, why? And if they lose this game, why, what do you think? I love this question. This is what we do for every game we cover on the fastest 40. So, you know, if we end up winning, I think it's because we forced Josh Allen into a few turnovers. I think that's going to be the number one key to stopping you guys. Cause you know, even the only reason the dolphins had a chance against you guys in that last game of the regular season was because of those three early turnovers that they forced. And, you know, if we're able to do that, then we can build on it in the next stage, which is just being disciplined and not getting those penalties in key situations. So if the Chiefs end up winning, it's because we didn't stall out a drive in the red zone because of a Jawan Taylor hold, or you know we didn't uh, falter on third and eight with some sort of a holding call and bring back that conversion. So I think being disciplined in that regard is a big piece. And then the third step is executing in the red zone. We left 12 points on the board against the Dolphins. In my mind, those three of those four field goals should have been touchdowns. So executing in those situations and getting those those plays over the pile over the uh the plane there in the end zone is going to be big now if we yeah, lose go ahead no you're 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 good go ahead uh, i was gonna ask you about the, the you brought the tackles and taylor and i mean i think yeah. a lot of the talk this week has been those two tackles can they hold up especially <laughs> in an on the road situation where the yeah. environment's going to be much different than arrowhead obviously where communication is going to be a little bit more challenging any concern on that front yeah, I mean, we've never played in Buffalo with Mahomes and that crew while fans have been in the stands, right? right. It, it was COVID. The stadium was totally empty. So it's going to be a new environment. And, you know, these guys have played in a couple of hostile environments 
so far, right? Uh, Mahomes has played in Seattle at Lumen. Yeah. And so just making sure that all of those guys are on the same page, Jawan Taylor being the key focus there, because that guy jumps <laughs> at home. So <laughs> just making sure that we're right. good to go there is going to be big for sure. Um, I am a little bit concerned with Donovan Smith. He's had lingering neck issues. Um, so making sure he stays healthy too is going to be big. Definitely. And Wanye Morris, who filled in for him, was in concussion protocol, but I believe he's been he's already been practicing this week. So I would yeah, imagine he should be cleared. Him. Yeah. I would expect him to be cleared for sure. Yeah, definitely already suited up and and practicing out there. Um so yeah, the tackle's definitely a big concern. And I think if you know we end up winning, it's because or well, did I answer the losing first? Sorry, we got off Yeah. <laughs> you answered the winning yeah. and said you need if you get turnovers. Yes, if we get turnovers, that's going to be the big one. If we end up losing this game, I think it's because you guys force some turnovers on us, some timely turnovers, get Mahomes to feel you know, that lack of confidence in that receiving group. And then also just exploiting that hole in the defense that I said earlier. We saw what your guys' offense can do when James Cook gets heavily involved. And, you know, your offensive line is really strong. I've always I've always appreciated the Deion Dawkins, you already know university and anytime <laughs> he comes up, um, you know, everything you guys are doing up, up front, you have a lot of really good players. Mitch Morse being an ex-chief, you know, love to follow him a little bit, too. But that uh, that James Cook, that's that's the piece that I'm the most concerned about. I feel confident about Snead and McDuffie and their ability to sort of limit Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis, is he going to play or not? I haven't seen any air. updates on it. Up so, I mean, air. that's that's going to be another piece, too, that I think will play into what your game plan looks like. But if you guys are coming in, if, if you know, the, what the Bills do, they're really – I feel like they're really good at exploiting those weaknesses and defenses. And I feel like the run game is going to be a big piece of, of your guys' puzzle uh, this week. And if we end up allowing, you know, James Cook to pop off for 125, 150 yards, I wouldn't be surprised to see the score – in your favor at the end of the game. That is Dan Portillo from the Fastest 40 podcast. Dan, tell everybody what you got planned this week if they want to hear more about like the Chiefs side of things and then obviously everything else around the NFL. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. You know, we're going to be live at a local bar here in Kansas City uh, a few hours before the game. So that'll be on the Odyssey YouTube page going live. Um, just kind of talking about Bills and Chiefs and, and figuring out really what we need to do uh, from a game plan perspective to get the win and advance to our six straight AFC championship game. So hopefully we can accomplish that. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you know, I, I wish you guys the best of luck. If we're going to lose anybody, I'd rather it be the eventual Super Bowl champions. I do have a good respect for for Josh Allen and what the Bills are building over there. And, and um, you know, I think McDermott gets a lot of a bad rap, too. So um you know we'll see how everything everything rolls out this this sunday i wish you guys the best of luck and uh appreciate it what a gentleman Thanks, thank you dan <laughs> take care guys all right you got you it too. another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. 
In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so Matt, listen, by the way, the way that Dan just wrapped up that, I will say, to me, is pretty emblematic, I think would be the word I'd use, for what my experience has been with Chiefs fans since I was a little kid. They're just really nice people. I've always said, going back to the Super Bowl years, when I was growing up, going to the stadium in the 90s, through playoff games, they came here in the divisional round, they came here in the AFC Championship one year. And I've always said, Chiefs fans are the nicest road fans I've ever encountered. And that remains true. And when you go to Arrowhead, we see the, um, you know, the treatment they give us and the media and fans, the Bills fans, and they're ve- we're very similar fan bases here. So I, I do think that um, when he says like, hey, wish you the best and all that, that is actually how those people are out there in the Midwest. Very good hospitality. Yeah. I mean, we've been to Arrowhead now our fair share of times. I think it's five times in the yeah. last four years or something ridiculous. My first time at Arrowhead was the AFC championship. And before I went to the game, we did a bunch of stories with fans because that was so much of the story. And we went to a place called Al's. It's a bar and grill, I think, in Parkville, Missouri. Have you been there? Uh, no, I have not. No, I have. Okay. So he is a South Buffalo guy who went to Timon, who moved to the Kansas City area to work in pharmaceutical sales, but then realized there were no good chicken wings in the Kansas City area, and he opened up his own place. And- okay, I have been here. I have been here. That's right. I, I went um, – the, the not that trip you were there because I wasn't on the road with the team, uh, but mm-hmm. I have been to this place. You're right. And it was awesome, but it was funny because he has kind of adopted the Chiefs as his second team. And I remember him telling me that the fan bases are so similar and that most of the people who were working in the restaurant and the fans that were there when we happened to be there were Chiefs fans. And there was just so much kind of mutual respect between the two of them. Now, I think as you get further away from that first matchup, that respect starts to turn into more of a rivalry. I think at the beginning, it's like, wow, you know, we really, really respect what these teams are doing doing and we like them we just don't want them to win i think over time it has become a little bit more competitive and fierce and still both and i think a lot of that reflects the quarterbacks right because Allen and mahomes are friends off the field but they are both ultra competitive i think for chiefs fans there's probably some sort of satisfaction knowing the three out of the last you have the chance to end Allen's season three out of the last four years and for bills fans it would feel extra sweet to beat this team to ultimately get to where you're trying to go There is a bigger picture here for sure. And I've been thinking a little bit about legacies this week and what this week means, Matt, because I understand completely there's more to come after this game if the Bills were to win. Of course, they would have to go to an AFC championship game. That could be at home. That could be on the road, whatever. They'd have to go to a Super Bowl, win it. But this team, what it represents, the mountain that the Bills have not been able to climb and get over, the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs twice over the last three, four years, um, going there in the regular season and winning 13 seconds, everything that's gone into this, Like, this is it. You got them home. This is what this team's been 
wanting to get for the last four years. And now you have it mm-hmm. in your house. And for what Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes and Sean McDermott and everything that's happened, especially following what happened the last time they were in Kansas City in the playoffs, I think this is a big legacy game. And again, you still have to build on that legacy if you win. But if you lose, all of those things we've talked about are going to be front and center and even more so. Yeah, I, I guess the question for me is, and I think I know the answer to what you're going to say. I've heard people talk about this on sports TV all week. Obviously, I've been pretty locked in on all this stuff. Is this Josh Allen's biggest game? This is the biggest game he'll ever play in his career. And I think you would immediately go to the AFC Championship game in 2020 because at that point, you're one win away from a Super Bowl. But I also don't think the expectations were really there then, right? Like that felt like the Bills were a year early when they were trying to get to the AFC Championship. And I think they exceeded expectations around the league. And when they lose that game, myself and thousands and thousands and thousands of other people said, hey, you got to learn how to win, but eventually you're going to get back. Well, that was four years ago. And they're still trying to get back to that point. And now that it's at home, I feel like it ramps up the pressure even more. I think that might make Allen even more dangerous because he is somebody who I think thrives off that. But I think there's an argument to be made. This is the biggest game of his career. Yeah, I I understand that completely. And for Andy Reid and the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, they're made, right? It doesn't matter. it, It does matter, of course, but if they lose this game, there's no questions about their legacies. There's no questions about if you, you just tip your hat and say, Hey, we went to Buffalo. We got some things to clean up, you know, but we got Lombardi's and MVPs. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that. That's not the case in Buffalo. They haven't reached their ultimate goal. We will know also by the time these teams kick off Sunday at six 30, where the AFC championship game will be played. My, meaning maybe not exactly, but it'll either be in Baltimore if they win, or it'll be at the winner of this game. And I'm going to say this, Matt, for America, the Bills cannot let the Chiefs host the AFC Championship game again. <laughs> if the Texans happen to win, oh my God, the environment and the knowledge knowing that you'd be home next week versus another year at Arrowhead for a Kansas City Chiefs for the rest of America to watch, America needs the Buffalo Bills to win here. It was the same situation though last time when the Bills, the 13-second game, right? Because if they would have won, they would have hosted the AFC Championship against Cincinnati and then they lose. And I think that was just another, the game ended such a ridiculous way that I don't think most people were like thinking about that. They were thinking about what the heck went wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Houston is going to win, but they've got a really, really great quarterback and they're kind of in the same boat we were just talking about of the Bills in 2020, where I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule. And when you're playing with no fear because the expectations maybe not are not as high and the pressure isn't as significant, then I think you can really shock some people. And also, Lamar hasn't been great in the playoffs. He's been good, but he hasn't been great. He's got, I think, one playoff win. And I know playoff wins and regular wins are not just a quarterback stat, but you want to see your quarterbacks perform in the biggest moments. And I think back to what Josh did a week ago. He was amazing. Josh Allen in the playoffs is a sicko. So I don't know. I'm not completely dismissing the idea that the Texans could go into Baltimore and get a win, but we shall see. If the Bills do win this game, it'll be there, be back home a week from, you know, Sunday against the Houston Texans. I've already peeked ahead just to see because we've had all this weather stuff going on, not trying to count chickens or anything. It would be about 30, 35 degrees, maybe a little precipitation, not too bad. If they have to go to Baltimore for the AFC Championship, in the 50s with some possible rain. Oh, of course, right in Baltimore, some possible rain. It's always raining in Baltimore when we go there. But that that's what you're looking at for weather possibilities. Um, we just talked about the AFC Championship and where that could be. 
How about on the NFC side before we get out of here, Matt? What do you think about the chances of Jordan Love and the Packers kind of rerunning it back what they did against the Cowboys, going to San Francisco and pulling a big upset? I think that they nobody should be written off. There's eight teams left. Everybody's got a chance. But I think the 49ers are an entirely different beast than what the Cowboys are. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan Love played great. I think they ran the ball well. They had some big splash plays. But the things that led them to their success against the Cowboys, I don't think will lead them to success against the 49ers. I don't think you can bank on multiple turnovers in a pick six. I don't think you can bank on multiple big plays down the field. I think you need to play a much more methodical, rhythmic game. And the 49ers, to me, on that side are far and away the biggest threat. I think the AFC, you can probably have the conversation. I know what I just said about Houston. But I think if you're a fan of an NFC team, you would be pretty scared of the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Bills. In the NFC, I think the real only real team that really kind of strikes fear in a potential opponent in the AFC is probably the 49ers. And then, of course, you have the final NFC game, which would be the game being played before the Bills play on Sunday, and that yep. is the Detroit Lions hosting, hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, wow, who would have thought we'd be at this matchup in the NFC divisional round playoff? One of these teams is going to the NFC championship game. How do you see that one? Um, I know we cover teams and we don't root for teams, and that's the whole journal. Go Lions, right? I want to see the Lions win. I want to see the Lions in the NFC championship. I want that city to see some success because it's such a similar fan base. And I think sometimes when you're from Buffalo, you like to see when those other similar fan bases and those other similar teams fail because it makes you feel a little bit better about your situation. But I like the Lions. I like Dan Campbell. I like the players Mm -hmm. they have. I love that their quarterback was somebody who was traded because they didn't think he could win the big game, and now he's in this position to potentially lead his team back to that. I just don't think the Bucs are that good. I think the Eagles fell apart hard, and I think the Lions should be able to win this game as well. I think I like the Lions in this game. Boy, it really, really felt for their fan base. It reminded me of the breaking the drought the in 2017. Yes. You know? yes I mean, it absolutely. was really amazing. Um, I, I talked, a good buddy of mine is TJ Reeves, Buccaneers sideline reporter. And I talked with him on Wednesday night and he, he said two words to me. He said, Sal, we're dangerous. That's what he said. We're mm-hmm. dangerous. And they are. I, mean, I think about Baker Mayfield saying I felt dangerous, right? A couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. They are dangerous. They can win that game. Um, and he said it right, and I agree. The key would be surviving the first maybe quarter and the environment and the loud and the crowd. And if they can do that, they have a chance to pull it off. But I just think the Lions might have a little too much offensively um, firepower. But I, I could see that game going either way. I'll take the Lions because they are at home, and I will take the Niners. I, I think the story of Jordan Love and the Packers, what they've done is really great. They will be, the Packers will be a very, very trendy Super Bowl pick next year in the NFC. Yeah, I think so too. Because of their so youth too. and because of Jordan Love. Because they're quarterback. He's awesome. Yeah. I think that he's And they're the youngest some... team. They're the youngest team in the playoffs and like since the merger or something like that. How as we close this thing out, how you feeling about the matchup for the Bills? I know the injuries are something that are concerning, yeah. but do you feel good? Do you feel like it would be an upset? How you feeling? I, I was surprised they were favored when you and I talked the other night. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I understand, you know, as we as we talk about it and as the week goes on, I feel better. And it's not just about the injuries, a little bit of encouragement. It's just thinking about the environment, thinking about the Chiefs coming to Buffalo and what it means to have a louder crowd and a little bit more, maybe more scaled back what they can do offensively, how it'll uh, help the Bills get their calls and checks versus when they're at Arrowhead. So I'm feeling better about it. Before we head out of here, though, I do want to 
mention the injuries because we're talking here on a Thursday. We'll get more of a report on Thursday afternoon after the Bills have a practice. They have a lengthy injury report. Six guys in with injuries did not practice. But I think that the two, excuse me, the two everybody's kind of really monitoring Terrell Bernard. I was stunned when Sean McDermott said on Wednesday there's hope. Now I don't know what kind of hope that is, Matt. Is that flickering candle in the wind hope? Or is that, mm-hmm. hey, it's way better than we thought and we might get we might have him. I'm not sure. And the other one is Sam Martin, and that is a tricky situation because they had to sign Matt Hawk to the practice squad. And if they elevate Matt Hawk because Sam Martin can't go, then you can't elevate one of either wide receiver or linebacker. And with Gabe mm-hmm. Davis's injury, you got to have another receiver available. You can't go in with four healthy receivers. And if Terrell Bernard can't go, you got to elevate AJ Klein. So this is a tough situation for them. It's a tough situation for them. I think that even though we're still early in the week, and once again, we're recording this before practice on Thursday, I think that Dodson and Rasul Douglas were both considered limited on Wednesday is a good Mm -hmm. sign for their potential availability. So conceivably, you could have Dodson, and then you could have A.J. Klein not play, but he also just led your team in tackles, and I don't know if you would really want to not have that luxury. So this is a big Sam Martin week, too. And then the one guy that you didn't mention that I think is a very significant piece is Taron Johnson, just because he means yeah. so much to this team when he is on, the, especially against this opponent. You really want that guy available. It's a concussion. Concussions are almost impossible to predict. I think the glimmering hope is because he was a limited participant on Wednesday that they'll hope that he could be able to clear by Sunday. But at the same time, I believe it's the second concussion protocol stint for him this season. And usually that means the recovery is a little bit longer and it's a little bit harder to clear the protocol. So we shall see. And without him, that would be a a massive, massive loss. hundred percent. And I agree with you limited on Wednesday in an estimated practice report because it was a walkthrough but that's a really encouraging sign. It's only six days from the game. Yeah. But let's remember, Ty Johnson cleared in five days the week before. He was cleared on Friday mm-hmm. after being concussion protocol on Sunday night. So I agree with you 100%. That would be a massive, massive loss if they don't have Taron Johnson. As far as the linebackers, the key here might be Bale Specter, Because even if Tyrell Dodson can go, if Jarrell Bernard can't, mm-hmm. then you're looking at can Baylor Specter go. If Bale Specter can't, you're still turning to A.J. Klein. And there's an elevation. So again, numbers, we'll see what happens. The Bills did wind up releasing Leonard Fournette from the practice squad. Matt Hawk now is on the practice squad. He'll get the reps this week, I'm sure, punting, holding. It's very important. We'll see where it goes uh, for everything there. So, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting week leading up as far as the injuries are concerned. And there also might be, you know, Sean McDermott, a little bit of I'm not going to reveal much to not give away, you know, who's going to be out there so the Chiefs can game plan as much, you know, against the Buffalo Bills. That could be part of it as well. All right, let's – um. I'll let you kind of head us out because thank you. I appreciate you like take, taking the reins here while I had to move my car earlier. No, I'm glad that I could do it. I really appreciate Dan and Trey joining us. I will say, so Trey's last name is Lawrence. And every time I wanted to say something about Trey Lawrence, I thought Trevor in my head. Yeah. So if I messed that up at any point, I'm sorry, Trey. I think it's just muscle memory at this point. I am super excited about this week. I know we're getting closer to the game. I think this is going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. I think it's so cool that Mahomes' first road playoff game is in Orchard Park. I think that that's just like a beautiful layer to this story that has become a rivalry. I think that, you know, it would be a really demoralizing loss for the Bills if they're not able to win but I really like their chances. Everybody immediately after the first AFC championship started comparing the rivalry to Brady and Manning. 
And Brady won a lot of those matchups, but eventually Manning got his. So maybe this is what Allen needs. Maybe this is the time that he starts to get the wins and we can kind of uh, see a new era in the rivalry. It's their seventh game against each other. They're six and or they're three and three in the first six that they've played. We'll see who gets the tiebreaker, obviously, in the playoffs. But we got plenty more coverage on Channel 7 this week and, of course, on WGR 550 as we get you ready for kickoff with the Bills, the Chiefs, the divisional round Sunday at 630. For Sal Capaccio, I'm Matt Bovee. Thanks for listening.